Hi everyone, it's Charlie Jeter. Hi, I'm Dr. Samson Davis. Up next is our episode of the Gary V Audio Experience. This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey everybody, this is Gary Vaynerchuk and this is episode 316 of the Ask Gary V Show. And I'm really excited about this episode for a couple of reasons. One, I've been on vacation for two weeks, which means I have so much pent up energy mm-hmm. that I want to get out into the world, so I'm excited about that. But more importantly, we have a, a really, really interesting show for you. Uh, if you're watching on uh, Facebook, where are you taking the phone calls from, Andy? Facebook. Facebook and YouTube. Okay, so Instagram, I know you're watching over there. If you wanna get a question in, you're gonna have to go to Facebook or YouTube where we're live on both those platforms and put your phone number in. Andy's gonna grab some phone calls. But before we get into all that stuff, I'm gonna let these two lovely guests introduce themselves, uh, give you a little context about who they are and what their book's about. We're gonna, I got some questions and then you'll have some questions. Thanks for being here. Thanks for Thank having you. me. Ladies Thank first. You. Okay, um, I'm Charlie Jeter, I'm co-author of The Stuff, but also president of the Turn Two Foundation. Um, I work for my brother, Derek, which most of you know, or may know, um, and I'm just excited to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah, of course. Yeah, uh, Samson Davis, I'm an ER physician, uh, co-author of The Stuff. I uh, have written a few other books as well, and travel the country, and speak often, and just excited to be here. So let's first, before we go even deeper into you individually, just because the way you guys set it up, what what is this stuff about? Uh, what is this book about? Well, this stuff is an inner fortitude. It's something that we believe every person is born with, is the ability to overcome huge obstacles and challenges in life. Um, we think far too often, especially young people, but everybody but goes into a situation with the idea that they already cannot accomplish it. Um, and so what we wanted to do with Have this- lost before they've started. Exactly. Right. And so what And we, is that conditioning from parents, environment, DNA? All of the all above. All of the above, yep. yep. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the things that- I want, I want, I'm just uh, yeah. making my plea to be the third author in the stuff too. It's yeah. done, <laughs> done deal. By the way, real quick, I, I, I'm just getting improv here. Do, do you remember the Spaceballs, the movie? Yes. Yes, yeah. Do you know that they had a sequel it never got made, but it was called Spaceballs 3, The Search for Two. No. Uh, and I still think that's the coolest shit I've ever heard. Anyway, sorry. I still think that's the greatest subtitle to a sequel. That's right. That's anyway, yeah. so the nonetheless, the all of the above. Right, so, so what we wanted to do is we, want, we went around, we interviewed different people who had overcome humongous obstacles. And for everybody who's listening, because it was funny, I, yesterday a woman came up to me during a charity basketball game. She submitted something for our, for our K-Swiss campaign and she's like, I submitted my challenge and mm-hmm. then the video came out and those were real, I was like talking about like having two knee surgeries yes. and people were like talking yep. about real shit. Mm-hmm. When, just for context, for like what are some of the challenges that people overcame in this book? I mean, we have uh, many stories. Uh, one, we share our personal stories and, and uh, challenges that we face. We have a, a person in a book who was burnt over 90% of his body. He was given a, a greater than 100% mortality rate. Uh, at age, uh, he was a teenager, and his mother asked him, do you want to live or do you want to die? And if you want to live, you have to fight. And uh, so he chose to fight, obviously, and he survived and he overcame. Um, given the mortality rate of 100%, that's almost miraculous that he was able to kind of overcome the situation. From a, from a medical standpoint, I'm, I have a question, I have a feeling this is gonna be a tough thing to answer, but, I, but I'm, you just inspired me to ask it, and it's something mm. I think about so much. How underrated is the brand, is the brain in our current society when it comes to genuinely 
you know, I, you know, obviously there's diseases and things that are just, it's kind of a math thing, but like, I'm fascinated by what you just said mm-hmm. be, because I'm uncomfortable in how much I believe it. Right. And where I'm going with that is, I just think you can will shit into existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, your attitude is, is a big, big part of it and how you sort of approach it, your confidence and seeing that glass as half full and really believing that you could persevere and overcome your situation is a big component of it. Now, granted, there are medical conditions that are challenging and that- Somebody rips your heart out of your body like right. Mortal Kombat, <laughs> even though I'd be sitting there being like, I'm not gonna die, I'm probably gonna die at that point. At that yes. point, right, you can see yourself, you can <laughs> yes. see your heart and you yes. know it's gonna end. But, but, uh, <laughs> but it's, 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 I mean, keep in mind- uh, uh, How advanced sort of studies in literally that person laying there where they're a 50-50, a 70-30, not gonna make it, I've never even heard of mentality, right? So like, you know, but like, that 70-30 person, has there been enough data on the woman or guy that laid there and said, fuck this, I'm gonna win, and what that variable is versus what most people hear is like, oh my God, 70%, yeah. I'm done. Like, has there, is there any advanced? Yeah, I mean, the studies have shown, I don't know any particular study, but what I do know is that studies have shown is all about your attitude. I mean, of course, the medical condition is, is variable. So the medical condition or whatever you have been diagnosed with is situational, but your attitude and your approach and your conditioning, if you're gonna to choose to exercise and believe and hope and that you're gonna uh, overcome and beat this situation, yes, it will happen. Now, if you're gonna sit back and you're diagnosed with something like, well, I'm not gonna take this medicine, mm-hmm. right, right, then- uh, No, you're talking right. about something super interesting. You know, right. like, I don't know any of the details on the Steve Jobs thing. I, right. like, in right, head, right, in classic right, headline right. reading, like, I remember thinking, like, hearing, like, maybe he did some alternative stuff right from the get, and I was like, hmm, I'm that kind of person, so let's make sure I don't make that kind of mistake. Like, like, I I took note of that, to your point. Um, You know, it's very interesting we're having this conversation. It kind of makes me think about all the shit that I pop out into the world, which is Mm -hmm. like, look, everybody who's listening right now, to make it contextual for you, you have a certain level of natural entrepreneurial talent. No different than sports talent, no different than anything else. But, but the perspective you deploy changes the outcome mm-hmm. to the maximum of what that is. And, and, and at times, I mean, even with this stuff, at times it may not be at the, where you want it to be, but it's nurturing, it's developing it, it's, it's everyday processing and putting energy into it. And as you do so, then your belief in the growth of what you can achieve and how you can overcome and how you can persevere, whether it's medical, personal life, professional, it, it starts to develop and take flight. Who were you as a kid? Me? Yep. <laughs> um, I was tomboy. <laughs> and But I was somebody, I was raised a very close-knit family, um, had parents that told us we could accomplish anything. Um, I say I was very fortunate because they wouldn't let us listen to the outside world, you know, mm-hmm. and hear. But also, too, you know, you can only be shielded for so long and you have to go out into the real world which is what i was hit with when i went off to college did they do a good job you know it's funny because i saw andy react to like not hearing the outside world it's something i talk so much about what my Mm -hmm. mom Mm -hmm. and dad did for me as well yep um did they do a great job in practical optimism like like did you have like that optimism like i can do anything but were they great at not creating delusion Yes, very good at it. Right, because isn't that, is that your perspective on that? Like to me, what is so fascinating is in the current state of parenting, mm-hmm. the reason we have eighth place trophies is we took you can do anything, mm-hmm. but we, we created fake environments. Right. right. We eliminated mm-hmm. accountability. Right. And that's why we're skewed the other way now. Right. And to me, it's the balance of practical, I call it practical optimism, mm-hmm. right? Or just like, a limit, a limit, when you tell your kids you can do anything, 
I think where the parent really needs to be thoughtful is when that kid then goes and sings at a talent show and sucks shit, <laughs> you can't tell them they're Beyonce. <laughs> right. You can't, because what a lot of people are doing is you came in, you didn't win this talent show, but it was the judge's fault. It was yeah. a bad night. They like start Mm-mm. creating excuses no. at scale and now you have 23 year olds right. who enter the world full of excuse framework. Well, I mean, a really uh, interesting story is at an early age, um, Derek went off to school and said his dream was to become shortstop for the New York Yankees. Is that true? He had teachers, this is eighth grade, I believe. He had teachers that said to my parents that you need to put real thoughts into his head. And my parents turned around and said, he had in our mind he has real thoughts he was has he to good work at, baseball at that point very, no he wasn't great really but it was he has to work very very hard and they told him that they said if this is what you want to do you can accomplish it but it is going to be very very hard for you to for you to get there you're going to have to work really really hard and put your all into it so that's where you have to be realistic it is a possibility my my you're going to work hard my in the way he says it my six and three quarters year old son (laughs) is obsessed with basketball and he talks about it 20 he talks like me 24 7 every second Mm -hmm. it's and after two weeks of vacation just now like like my music teacher in first grade called me motor mouth mm-hmm. and I'm watching it in my face. <laughs> but he already, in the last six months, I've got him into, like he, he already knows that he will never dunk, right? As a kid and the little basket in your house, you're dunking like crazy. And six months ago, I was like, bro, you will never dunk. He cried, he was devastated. Like for a <laughs> week, it was like tormenting him. But he is now taking so many fucking jump shots, and he's like, "Do you?" He's like, "Do you think I'll be in the NBA?" I'm like, "I don't think so," but if you work ridiculously hard and miraculously become the first person that can hit jump shots from half court, because I think your five ten likelihood of your life is going to be a challenge on the evolution of like everybody being seven feet in the NBA. Mm-hmm. I just believe in that shit. But on the flip side, yep. Gary is the is there an opportunity to show him those who were shorter than six foot? He's all about, it? he thinks he's Steph Curry. He, he already knows who Spud Webb is. Of course mm-hmm. there yeah, is. Right. But, but it's also using what he has. So he's using his ability. If he can't dunk, then he's like, I wanna. I well, wanna, it's really interesting, right? right? Like all I talk to him about is jump shooting and left hands. Right. Like, like right. if he's gonna be any prayer of even like a decent D3 basketball player, like he better fucking shoot his ass right. off and better have a ridiculous left hand. Right. You know what I mean? Right, like, right. you know, so like, yeah, it, it's it's just this conversation, which mm-hmm. is like, do not create delusion. Right. However, what caught my attention when you were going there is when your parents tell you you could do anything, the, everybody who's accomplished something remarkable basically either had that or such the reverse that they were like, fuck you, mm-hmm. that it drove them, but that person tends to get there and be unhappy versus mm-hmm. the person that, you know, and so there's a positive framework. Nonetheless, how about you? Well, my story, well, I grew up, um, you're asking how. Where, yeah, what yeah, kind yeah. of kid, I oh, love how, origin mm-hmm. story. I'm really big on comic book right. number one. Like <laughs> the next series of questions for me is gonna be predicated on where'd you grow up, right. how, you know, like it helps me understand how you got to this stuff. Yeah. It helps me, it helps Andy pick the next couple questions. I'm, a, I'm fascinated with context. Mm-hmm. Right, right, gotcha. So like where were you born and what kind of kid were you? Yeah, I mean, I was born in uh, New Jersey. Where? Uh, Newark, Newark, New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, Newark, New Jersey. I grew up in Edison. Okay, oh yeah, I went to school at Rutgers, so not too far. Very yeah, close. yeah. Um, so, but I was just—I was am, uh, just an ambitious kid. I, I, you know what? I think I just had this kind of inner drive. How old were you? 
Oh, when right I now. felt that way? Oh, uh, 46. Okay, keep going. Yeah. So I had this inner drive to just really uh, just become something in life. I, I can't really explain it. I just really believed in life that I can do it. Now, I grew up single parent home with five siblings, but it was challenging environment. But at the same time, like I knew that I wanted to be something. Now, what that something was, I had no clue. Of course, I would have loved to play baseball but you know that, that position was taken already so <laughs> but um were you a sports kid yeah i played i played baseball yeah i played baseball uh basketball so and, he and says, football Gary. so i say <laughs> I, had, I have a few articles in a small paper were somewhere you, were you were you good at school yeah i was i was school came easy yeah you know what i mean like it was something that i enjoyed doing but it wasn't a cool or popular thing I'm right <laughs> I'm 43 in, from jersey i know what the vibe was at the time right I get it. right so you know you would so i was sort of hide or not really brag about you that you downplay um, how good you were yeah so you're yeah, good at school i'm like nah i gotta yeah. see in the you know, right 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 yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like no i got a 95 right <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. and so it just was it was this drive to become something to achieve uh um something in life and just kind of moving along and as life took me it just became an opportunity or opportunity presented itself to go to medical school and to become a doctor and I didn't know what the heck or what the hell a doctor did besides pediatricians and giving shots and everything I didn't know the details and so I just went for it because it was something more than what I had in front of me and so it intuitively felt like a proper step forward right and I enjoyed helping people yep. and I'm like you know I will always have a job so let me go for it yeah understood <laughs> and yeah. how and do you and in that career path have you maintained the same passion? You know, obviously, you know, speaking and writing, you're scratching other things that, you know, you're passionate about. Like, right. how's the, you know, a lot of people who watch uh, and listen to this uh, are, in, in, you know, are attracted to my message because I think, back to you can do anything, but it has to be practical. There, what has happened, you know, three of us are far closer in age than a lot of people in this room and a lot of people that are watching. Mm-hmm. We did not grow up with a mature internet that actually right. allowed us to have unlimited op- options right. in perpetuity around our core interests. And that is what's happening now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess the reason I'm asking you now that is, I think there's a lot of people watching who ebb and flow in the passion of the career choice they've given. And when they're in the dip, they're thinking about should I start my side hustle or mm-hmm. thing. Have you, you know, I'm just very curious about what you're doing with this and what your career is. This is a very fun question for me to ask. Mm-hmm. Have you maintained that love for it? Has it never fully been there because it was like the opportunity to win and advance? Has it ebbed and flowed? How has your love mm-hmm. for that profession navigated over the last 20 years? Yeah, that's a, that's a very good question. I think it does or it has ebbed and flowed in the sense that I enjoy medicine but I also enjoy speaking. Mm-hmm. I also enjoy writing books. Like this is the fifth book that I've written. Mm-hmm. Um, so I enjoy the progression of what's next, the evolution, which is unknown because you really don't know, you know your passion is to achieve and to be successful and it might be within a career aspect of what you're doing. But at the same time, I enjoy the aspect of life of seeing what sort of presents itself as the next thing. And you don't often know what that is, but you just kind of follow the flow of just applying your formula of success and seeing it grow and develop. So yeah, practicing medicine and being an ER physician and saving lives and rescuing people from- How did it feel the first time to save somebody's life? Oh, it's, it's amazing. It's like you have it's your own theme music, shit. you walk out and Talk it's like- Talk about something I could never do. The second I would see any level of like trauma and blood, I would literally yeah. faint. We'll see that in, in, <laughs> Seriously. And, and you know what, I sh- walk into hospitals yeah. sometimes and get lightheaded. 
walk in. It's front door of the hospital. So this is the beauty about <laughs> the beauty about life is like the first time I saw surgery, I lost my lunch in the scrub sink. You, you did? Know? Yeah, yeah. So I'm in okay. college, like, okay, okay, I chose the wrong career. <laughs> yeah. I like shit. Like how about you know? And did like everybody this? else like laugh like there was like a rite of passage? Did like did like some mentor come to you and be like, don't worry, I did that too? Yeah, yeah. Or they were just laughing at you? Or like how did that go? No, down? The, uh, the nurse just get you got to go. You got to get out. She kicked me out of the OR. Yeah, there's no joking around yeah. in the ER. Yeah, I so. get that. But then, but that's what that's what I'm saying. Like this is what I think sometimes hinder us as people is that we go after something we believe in and we sort of receive a message that this isn't for me or it's too challenging. A or, micro adversity right, and we take it as a macro. That's right. Yeah. And you grow this monster in your mind to be bigger than what it is and you don't pursue it and then boom, it's like now you're not reaching can the we, level. Can we talk about this? I don't know if you covered in the book. Actually, there's two things. Two things. One, if you got phone numbers, YouTube, Facebook, we're about to do calls. Two, I want you to give me five bullet points of like takeaways for the book because I want everybody to buy it. But before we get into that, you know, we're, t- we're, we're, we, you know, we're here because you and I have hung out a couple times and we vibed mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh shit, we see the world the same way and so I've been excited about this, I've been excited to meet you. So I'm leading the witness a little bit here but, but this micro failure as a macro, mm-hmm. how much do you think the current state of demonizing failure in our society early on mm-hmm. leads to enormous uh, issues or vulnerabilities to what we're referring to? Like, do you, let me ask it in a different way. Do you believe that we need to start beating a drum of, especially at a parenting level, to start really embracing failure much earlier, which then won't make somebody who loses their lunch. There are actual people on earth who lost their lunch, put in all that time and effort into medical school, lost their lunch, went home, called mommy and daddy, and decided to become a lawyer. Right, but then when they become that lawyer too, what they need to know is that they're gonna hit that same point in a different way on that path. Bingo. And that's what we're, that's where we're shortchanging our kids. It's like failure is a part of success. You have to I w- fail I at make some fail- point at something. You're going yeah. to. Yeah, sure. And because when you're, what's happening too, Please. Gary, like, is they're not just changing their careers. A lot of people are going off to college and they've been told this whole time, oh, you're about to fail, let me go and do something else. And they don't realize that when they go and do that other thing, they're gonna get to a point where they fail at something. Right. So many, and people are jumping out of windows. So, you know, I mean, it's, it's, they're going off to college and they cannot manage once mommy and daddy aren't around them anymore. Yep, or another version of that, I see people who are on their third version of college because they only want to stay in that environment. Mm. Right. That, and the MBA, <laughs> and doctor, and lawyer. Mm. And I'm like, you fucking love practice, bro. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. I, had day, I had a friend the other day, he was like 39, and he's like, Gary, I've got these 76 deploy, and he can like right. sort yeah. of consume me, and he was like a friend from back in the day, and he's like, you know, what do you think? I'm like, you love practice. Yeah. What right, do right. I think? I think you're fucking 39 years old, and right. you love practice. Right. Right. Yeah. You have to take flight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. It's, you have 17 beautiful diplomas in an office, you haven't done shit. Yeah. You haven't played one fucking game. <laughs> Sorry. It was an emotional meeting. It's like, what do I think? I think it's obvious as shit. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, wanna, I not only want to make failure an equal to success, I actually want to celebrate failure as. I, I've said this a lot in a lot of different ways. Do you want to hear something crazy, actually, to make this very meta? Charlie Hayes catches a ball in mm-hmm. 1996. The Yankees win the World Series, yep. and I have not watched a full Yankee game since, and I grew up a massive New York Yankees fan. Mm-hmm. The New York Rangers won the 94 Stanley Cup right across the street there, and I never watched another 90, I, have, I literally stopped watching mm-hmm. 
my teams after they, they win a championship forever. I'm so about the failure and the process. The reason I love the Jets so much is how disaster it is. <laughs> I'm in love with the Knicks now. This is real good now. You know, and, and I think maybe I, and I actually not maybe, I think I overskew that way. Mm-hmm. Like if you really watch me as an entrepreneur, something nobody in the outside who's watching right now, only Mark Yudkin, my lawyer, my, my financial people, I do so many things to sabotage myself mm-hmm. or like I pick kindness over success or mm-hmm. did many other things because I love losing. Mm-hmm. I genuinely am not kidding. When I, back to growing up in Jersey and those kind of places, mm-hmm. going to a pickup basketball game, picking teams and losing the first game was always my dream because I love the feeling of trying to win the mm-hmm. second game. Mm-hmm. I enjoy the feeling of trying to win a second game of pickup basketball or a se- I liked tennis a lot mm-hmm. and I was good at it and one of the reasons I was good at it was I had a ridiculous record of winning the second and third set in comparison to almost anybody else on my team or like the coach had seen because I, I actually believe what I'm about to say. I think I actually threw the first set subconsciously. <laughs> Not, you know, because I enjoy Adversity. But see, that's that's exactly it. So you you are good with living in an uncomfortable space. No, no, I'm fucking great. <laughs> I won't say great. That's what I was about to. But I'm actually gonna I I I love the feeling of yeah. Right. Whether I'm great or good at it, no, no, it's my most comfortable. Like I, as a matter of fact, even the way I carry myself, cursing or things of that nature, I have come to learn recently, last five, three, two years. Oh fuck. I enjoy being misunderstood up front. (laughs) I love the great unveil. I love the, I told you so. I love the, you didn't think so, fuck you. And not in like the kind of like fucked up way, more like the showman way. Like, like, you know what I like? I like the wink. I like when I do something, you didn't think I could, then I look at you and I wink and it's like a funny thing, not a fuck you, you're, you know? More like a, you know? Which, what is that? To bring you, like, to bring it back and Please. not to just bring it back no, to the book. No, bring it back but to the book. What you're saying, and, and that was why it was so important when we talked about and we interviewed people for this book, was there are so many stories that you hear about, and you hear about what happened to them and then the success of it. Yes. And what we wanted to do, because all of the interesting stuff is in the middle. How did they get out of it? What was it like when they hit rock bottom? Like, where, we want to hear that they were at a point where they thought they could not overcome. Charlie, what, what, these are such macro tough things. Mm-hmm. 98.9.8% of the people listening right now aren't gonna have Ever that ha- level of you know, adversity, but, th- but every human's adversity is their biggest thing. Mm-hmm. Their yep. parents fucked up, their yep. aunt stole money from them, yep. even things that are super small-ish potentially. It's huge. It's their huge. number one. Yeah. their life. Yes, yeah. it um, is. Yeah. But Go also, ahead. too, the reason why we wanted it to be so, so to the extreme of a tough situation is how, how many times have you watched something on TV or a story about someone? And you're like, wait a minute, if they could get through that, right. then what yeah. I'm dealing with is possible. Well, not only that, I will argue that the single reason I'm always happy is every single reaction to everything that happens in my life that is a negative is, or my wife and kids could get hit by a car right now and die. Like, I go. Every time I'm met with anything that isn't fun, business-wise, I go so extreme and feel it. Mm-hmm. That that's exactly right. Like right. what people do in those kind of stories. Like right. I understand that. Right. That's a was, framework uh, of a perspective. Mm-hmm. Were you born that way? You feel, or is that something you developed? 
I don't know. I, I think I was born that way because mm-hmm. I, I absolutely believe in like DNA. Right. You know, but I think environment. Yeah. You know, uh, I was very aware that my mom lost her mom at five and my dad lost his dad at 16 since I was six. I can mm-hmm. tell you that. Mm-hmm. Like, very aware. I can tell you from seven to nine, I had 15, 20 times a year nightmares that my family was going back to Russia for a family reunion and the plane crashed and, and I was the only one with one random family member each time, it was always different, that survived and we had to walk through the snow like Rocky in, you know, in Rocky Four. So clearly like death of my family and like that kind of stuff has always been a framework and I don't know, I feel like I was born with certain thoughtfulness and meta macro shit, but I also think the fact that both my parents lost a parent before they were 16 right. probably played as a narrative in my mind. Yeah, and it also say, it sounds like you embraced the fear. Yeah, bro, and honestly, a lot of, like, not being able to speak English and going, and get, you know, a story I rarely ever tell is when I, you know, I don't even talk about Dover. I lived in Dover for a year before we moved to Edison. I always talk about Queens. Think about this, think about what you guys are hearing right now. I always go Queens to Edison. Truth is, it was Queens to Dover for a year to Edison. I don't even know why, and you know, and not that it was so bad, but there's one real story I will never forget. I go outside, I can't speak English, and these six kids, and I was five, these six kids made me drink piss out of a Pepsi can, and I think about it so much, because I can feel this second, 37 years later, exactly how I felt, and how I felt was, you fuckers are confused. You're laughing and you think you've won, you have no idea how this is gonna play out. Mm-hmm. Wow. And, and, and that wasn't taught. Right. I don't think. Yeah. I don't know what my mom and dad were doing in Russia for those first four <laughs> years, but, but I can't believe that that's what I, you know, I didn't think about that until like 10, maybe 10 years ago. That's crazy that that's mm-hmm. what I thought. Because yeah. as we know, extreme bullying and picking mm-hmm. on leads the masses into a very dark place. Mm -hmm. It led me into a very great place, which was I'm gonna learn how to speak English, Mm -hmm. I'm gonna fucking dominate, Mm -hmm. and I'm gonna one day tell this story on my podcast. You know, like like that, you know, like, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, yeah. And and that's exactly, I mean, it's, it's, it's two ways, obviously, either you can sort of meet the challenge and rise above, or you can let the challenge destroy you and surrender to it, and Obviously, you did the, um, the, the, the thing of rising above. And I mean, that's exactly so, I mean, how, how, how much of this has to do with you giving a fuck about other people's opinions? I mean, some of it has to do with that, but some, it's also how you perceive it, you know, mm-hmm. how, you, how, how you sort of internalize it. And so, yeah, other people's opinions, even though sometimes you say, oh, it doesn't matter, it does. It no, does. no, it, I, yeah, I, I'll, I'll be impact, honest with you, right? intuitively, and obviously yeah. you, you've done more work than I have, I think that plays a lot into yeah. it. Yeah. I think people, are, you know, take an L and it's actually other people's booing, mm-hmm. especially maybe the parent, like the top five people, that is really what scares them. That if nobody knew about your loss, mm-hmm. would it really matter? It's kind of like the tree in the forest. Like at the end of the day, like when I lose, I don't have an ability to give a fuck what my parents, my wife, right. my kids, or my best friends think. Right. And in that is the great liberation of being able to do anything. But you were raised in a different time. So you have to remember, we are raising kids nowadays, I mean, not me personally, but that they can't lose, that they get an award. You're preaching. For, right? So if they if they have that, then they are never allowed You're the preaching. opportunity to say they lost. So why wouldn't they run from You're failure preaching. every time they see it? You're preaching. Questions? Let's do it, Ant. I get it. I, I can't get off of eighth place trophies. 
I can't, <laughs> I can't get off of it. I am completely and utterly convinced that a stunning majority of the mass depression, anxiety, fear, and jumping out of windows mm-hmm. is, has nothing to do with social media or mm-hmm. iPads, right. has everything to do with parents that wanted to overcoddle their kids, which created zoo animals. You take these fucking animals from the Bronx Zoo and put them into the natural wild, they're dead in eight Hi, seconds. Hi, this is Alice. I'm yeah. sorry, I couldn't answer your call right now. Sorry, Alice, next. Talk- I believe that. I believe we have an entire generation of zoo animals. Right. And I think the second those animals understand they are, instead of, this is where it's funny. So I, I go after the parents, but then to the kids, I go, cool. But instead of being upset at your parents forever, now you take over mm-hmm. and fucking own it and reformulate. Right. Mm-hmm. Accountability. Right. You took the trophy. Mm-hmm. It was funny, a friend's parents uh, said the kid didn't take a trophy. It was in a hockey no. tournament, didn't take a third place trophy. And they were like mad at it and it was the whole thing. I was like, that fucking kid's gonna win. I'm sorry, the person you were trying to reach <laughs> you know has I mean? a voicemail box you know, that has not been set up yet. While left and right Please, on the phone try call. Your- <laughs> like, this kid did not take this, the bronze medal. He is not afraid of fail, though. That's right, he's Alice? trying. <laughs> Alice? Yes? You called back? Yes, I, I pressed the wrong button when the phone rang, I'm sorry. No apologies needed. Where are you from? And please say hello. Hi, how are you? Hello. Uh, I'm from Miami, Florida. And um, thank you for taking my call, by the way. I want to talk to you about, because this just like, I happened to get on YouTube and there you guys were, and it just hit home so hard. I am almost 48. I grew up in a, a family that migrated from Cuba. Success story, great, very supportive. I grew up knowing that I could overcome anything and I was very, very successful until I got ill a few years ago. Got out of that and um, my dad got sick and I've been dealing with all this stuff now and all of a sudden I feel like, I don't know what happened to the old me. I'm paralyzed, I don't know what I'm doing in my life. All I know is that I'm just getting day by day. You know, I have the financial means, I have everything, but that's not important. I'm missing my drive again, my motivation to want to do stuff. I I feel like paralyzed. I understand. Thoughts, guys, or questions for Alice that might be able to build on context? Yeah, I think, Alice, whatever it is, it's, it's something there, some trepidation that you're facing. I don't know specifically what it is, but it's, it's, it's sort of embracing that and accepting it and dealing with the pain or whatever that may be. And is also then formulating strategies to overcome and to sort of find that drive within yourself, whether it's exercise, yoga, meditation, reading, um, you know, sort of You're writing. You're getting into a, tactics that become tangible doing that become gateway drugs to the unlock. There you go. Okay. Exactly. And I think so that's important. You're absolutely important. right. Yeah. Alice, can I ask you a question? Because, Alice, something I've yeah. seen in a lot of immigrants, can I... Do you think that sure. maybe that you overvalued financial success given the framework, which would make a ton of sense, and then when you dealt with your own health issues or dad, what ended up happening at this young of an age, you're like, wait a minute, fuck money, health and happiness, and maybe the reframe of what you thought success was is what you might be dealing with? Well, you're right, because you know what I realized when I got sick, I couldn't find the answer, and there was no dollar amount mm. in the world that could find me, the doctor or the whatever. So I felt like, how can I, you know, I've been so successful, made all yep. this money, yep. have all the support, and I can't get better. And then right. my rock, which is my dad, yep. I come out of this, and now he's sick, and I'm like, mm. oh my gosh. I, I, you know what I mean? I'm tr- I, I, I think, can't fix it. You know, it's funny, I've got crazy goosebumps, because I was listening to you, and I was like, 
so I, I said something like five times on vacation the last two weeks and the first week back, we're now Thursday, I was in LA the first three days, had different business meetings and eight times, because I counted, eight times in the last three days in business, I said, I'm starting to question if I'm driven by money at all. I've always known that it wasn't the biggest thing. I'm starting to get scared that I don't give a fuck at all. I am aware that I, you know, think back to I love the chase. Like I love chasing the Jets, not buying the Jets. And then equally, I don't give a fuck about money, which is a problem if you want to buy the New York Jets because it's gonna cost $4 billion. But as you were talking, Alice, I was like, fuck, and this is why. I just want to chase happiness and I put health on a crazy pedestal and I think, I think you just might be going through a maturity mentally, Alice. I actually think this is gonna unlock the greatest thing ever. I'm, I'm making assumptions and alluding to things that look, parents tend to pass before their kids. When you have an emotional rock in that big of a relationship, you fear that loss so, so, so much. But to be very, very frank with you, Alice, as you were talking, I was getting happy, not sad. I actually think you're just leveling up. I think the reason you were happy before was you were trying to win a very short game, which was money, which came naturally to you because of lack of fear and talent and skills and hard work. I just think you're evolving and I think you're gonna start going for fulfillment. You're right. You're, you know what, I'm listening to you talk and I'm saying, you know what, you're absolutely right. Now it's like, where do I get my jump, my juice, my adrenaline now? I think you're gonna get it from impacting other humans. I genuinely think humans have either selfish, selfish, selfish or selfless behavior. I think that I'm happy because I have so much of both. I'm so ambitious for me and I have so much want and need to leave a legacy and that's why if you look at how I'm rolling over the last three years especially, it's so obvious, right? Which is why people take different hot takes on me it, you know, like I'm the genius and best, I'm a, I'm a narcissist and the worst. Like I get it because I'm pulling so hard at both and I think what you did was you pulled so hard for you, financial success. Now you have this in-between phase where you're starting to get recalibrated on what actually matters. My guess when I run into you in an airport in 16 years is you were so right. I started this nonprofit. I started this for-profit nonprofit. I started this school. I. I did this thing with these 50 women. I have no idea, but I have a very funny feeling I'm right. Wow, that's great. Thank you for telling me that because you know what? It, it really opens up, you know, a, a new seeing glass, if you will. Um, but yeah, you're right. That's, I mean, I've always said giving back is the best way to, you know, come out of things. But, peop- but, but Alice, like you're gonna love this? You're gonna love this? The way that you were successful in business and people talked about ideas and you laughed at them and you said, yeah, but it's about the execution. People talk about giving back is the best thing ever and they don't give back. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. They might do it with money or a check but not with themselves. Bingo. You know how much more fun it is for me to write a $25,000 check to a charity than sit down with some kid for 30 minutes? The minutes matter to me. Yeah. That's well, me giving the fuck more, back. Time is, more, time is more important than money when it comes to these things, you know what I mean? Well, especially, well, and listen, listen, Alice, a lot of people are listening right now and they're saying easy for them, they have it. You know, and that's true. By the way, like, like mm-hmm. a lot of things in life are easier once you've checked one of the boxes you've wanted. 
You know, a lot of people yeah, have made money. You think it's going to give you something. Correct. Like a, a lot of people. Fill a void correct. A lot of people say to people, easy for you know this person to say they have money, and then I say to them, yeah, but look how happily married you are. That person isn't. So you have happiness and love. Like you know, there's just so like everyone's judging without understanding. Everyone's got their shortcomings. And the reality is we've all got our process. I think the serendipity of life has created two data points for you that reframed your perspective and the reason you're struggling to get it back is you will nev- never, ever again care about the money the way you did before. It won't happen. No, it's true. I, 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 I downsized my car, I didn't really care. I started, <laughs> you know, just everything changed and now I'm like, wait a minute, you're right. You're absolutely right. It's just when you know you can have seven jets, you don't want seven jets. A hundred thousand fucking percent. Thanks, Alice. You know, thank you, thank you, bye-bye. Does it get you guys pumped when you hear the clarity in her voice? I was like wondering what you guys were thinking. You know, like mm-hmm. sometimes you know when you talk to somebody and you're like, they do not get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh no, she got it, she definitely yeah. You know, right? I was yeah, curious what yeah. you guys were thinking oh, yeah. just now, oh, yeah. yeah. She got it. Actually, was a, you, you awakened something in her. You could tell that she was like, wow, somebody gets what, where I'm at and understand what I'm going through. It was funny, when she was it, talking, yeah. I'm like, I got this one. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you just know. Sometimes yeah. you just yeah. know. Yeah. While Andy's dialing this next number, and before you hit it, Andy, one or two uh, macro thoughts about what's in the book for the audience that might bring them value. Yeah. Well, I mean, one of the things that we talk about in the book is just having a good support system around you, and that doesn't have to be your family. Um, it Say be, that second part one more time. It super doesn't loud. have to be your family. Please and do I it think, again. <laughs> it does not have to be your family. Um, because I think that's where people check out right away. Well, I didn't come from a supportive family. My family's not here. And so I'm not going to have that support system. My, my, but sometimes it's not your family. It's a friend who's just there to kick you in the butt. You know, and say, look, you can do this. Get off your butt. Like, it's time to go. It's okay to grieve. It's okay to be down. And it's okay to feel like you failed at something. But now it's time to get up and do what you should do. And you know, you're motivating me. Like I'm literally sitting here thinking about this a lot. You're saying something so awesome and you're saying it's okay to fail. Mm -hmm. It's okay to grieve. And no joke, what's going through my head is like if I I was thinking about like literally you're talking and Andy's writing me and I was like, it's so funny how the brain works. I'm picturing me and Andy hanging out somewhere and like what's coming out of my mind is forget about it's okay to grieve, it's okay. It's more like, no dude, this is good. Mm-hmm. This is fucking awesome. Like, I just want people to embrace their scarlet letters. Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I had that fucking scarlet letter from that book. I would have fucking Superman that shit. Fuck you. Mm-hmm. Like, I want to make it awesome, not adequate. Like, we, to your point, where we are in society right now is like, let's take it from negative to it's okay. Mm-hmm. Right, we're having this great mental awareness like thing of like, it's okay, let's, let's take away the stigma. Mm-hmm. And I'm on some shit of like, fuck the stigma. Adversity is the foundation to happiness yep. and success. Yeah, that's, I mean, you're saying run. You're lucky. Yeah, you run you're lucky your mom's stuff. fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm being, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna say it one more time. I don't time. know if it's that, but yeah. <laughs> Samson, 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 I, I really wanna throw a fun challenge I'm, because I'm appreciating that I have you guys to bounce this off of. I wanna argue this in a fun way. I am convinced that the things we've alluded to earlier, the perfect situation that has so much resources and so much good that it's overcorrected so much to make you a zoo animal is far more vulnerable right now than the person from a fucked up environment or person, like I'm telling you I can sense it because what the internet's done to us 
has, you see where I'm going, is look at you. You're an African-American male, 46, like, like I don't, I didn't get into the details, but like, whatever the circumstances are of Rutgers and medical, you're a, you know, you, your natural talent, school came easy to you, not to me, your work and all that stuff, but like, fuck man, do you, like, do people understand that we don't need the government grants, the the lucky te- the, the lucky or un- or or just valid test score, the 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 cosign from somebody that you stumbled upon, the like everybody that needed somebody to unlock the gatekeepers are gone. Yeah, the internet's the gatekeeper. Yeah. Yeah. The end. That's the validation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The yeah. audience can be the validation. Yeah. Right. Not the luckiness that their next door neighbor's friend like was like you know it's crazy. Yeah. But I also think too that we're oh are you calling okay? <laughs> I also think that too we're in a situation now where it when you say there's this perfect environment, I mean we have to realize that that perfect environment there's still life. So I go off to college in my senior year. I was shield. I believe I have the best parents in the world. They shielded me. They protected me. But they also taught me you know right from wrong and to work hard. But I go off to college and I get diagnosed with cancer. They can't control it. Derek's money can't fix it for me. Um, I'm out there and I have to deal with life. And that's what I'm saying is that they can have this perfect environment, but life is still going to hit them. And they're gonna have to figure out how to deal, you know, maneuver it. And it doesn't matter what their environment was growing up as well. What about people that are wired like me, which is the number one thing that would have ruined my life is if I was the children of me. As somebody who only wants to build and is process, right? And like every other normal human, as much as I wanna shield out other people's opinions, you're still a human. If I was born into a situation with all this natural talent, unlike sports where you've gotta prove it out even if you're LeBron's kid, Mm -hmm. in business, it's cloudy. And if I had parents that had extreme wealth my entire career would have been, I was put on third and a half base, you didn't do it. And it would have destroyed my life. I tell friends from the hood and the streets all the time, I know you envy the trust fund baby who's on a yacht in Ibiza on Instagram right now, that kid is fucked. If that kid's a winner or has any ambition for themselves, that kid is so fucked up when he goes to sleep, you don't even know. Mm -hmm. Of course everybody has their shit. Mm-hmm. There is no perfect life. Right. right, right, right. I believe that. I, I know. I literally believe that I would be extremely fucked up as a person if I was born into every exact same thing. Hello. Who's? Aton. Uh-huh. Sugarman. You're, you're big bro. Oh wow. <laughs> Ace, I love this, I love this. I, I mean, I re- Ace, I never share your fucking Instagram stories, but when you gave love to your little sister here, I had to share it yesterday about this show. I would agree, you never share my Instagram stories. <laughs> what is your question, Mr. Sugarman? Well, here's my question. First of all, big love to everyone in that room. Thank uh, you. My question, my question is, uh, and this is going to be serious, and Charlie's going to be really surprised when I'm about to ask uh-uh. Charlie and I go back 23 years. I've never broached this topic with her. Uh, I was there when her diagnosis came in. Her brother told me about it. Uh, Shortly thereafter, her brother and I, another friend, Mike, flew to Atlanta to kind of be with her and raise her spirits. But I've never asked her what, what her mental spirit was in terms of acceptance of the disease, the initial fear, and taking it from, you know, the fear to the fight. 
and what that process was and how it affected her later success. That's my question. Ooh, who knew you were this deep, Aton? <laughs> yeah. I definitely did not. Well, first I definitely of all, did not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I, I do. I genuinely believe that Aton will go down in history as a as a prime example of what a friend looks like. I think he's more talented at being a friend yep. than almost anybody I've ever seen in life. Mm. Right. I genuinely believe that. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, Aton, first of all, thank you for being a part of that team that came and supported me. I do remember that weekend very well. And Aton's forgetting to say that he also hosted my 21st birthday party in New York. And him and yeah. Derek, they flew all my friends in to surprise mm. me during a snowstorm um, to yeah. lift my spirit. So I appreciate that. Um, you know, it's it's interesting, Aton, because I wrote this book off of the discussion me and um, Samson had about how I did not ever really process what was going on and I it was almost like I was in not so much denial I knew I had to get treatments I knew I had to deal with six months of chemo but I stayed in school and decided I was going to continue commuting back and forth to Jersey or New York to do do um chemo at Sloan Kettering because I didn't want to stop college. I didn't want to leave my friends. I didn't want to move back home. Um, so it wasn't until a few years ago when we decided, before we decided to write the book, that um, I was kind of woken up by Samson. I don't know if you want to jump in, but we were just having a conversation about it. We had never talked about it before. And, and I was you, like- were you guys friends? Like, give us some context for everybody who's listening. Why were you having a conversation? Are you business associates yeah, or so friends? Like what? His, he, we both have our own foundations, run foundations, and his foundation honored me for the work that I do. I got, and that's um, how you got to know and that's how other. I met, mm -hmm. met him. And I hired okay. him and his friends to speak to all of our kids in our organization because their story awesome. was so impactful. Yep, got it. And we were on a flight home from one of our baseball clinics in Tampa. And he started talking about this book idea. He, he had a book idea, but it was more along the medical side of things mm -hmm. and I and I was like come on Sam don't make me read another medical book yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll read it to support you but like, why don't you do something that everyone can relate to and I don't even remember how exactly it was brought up but he brought up something about me going through treatment and how I was one of these people who had overcome adversity and I said no 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 like I just didn't want to leave college and leave my friends <laughs> and move back home like really I truly believed I believe, that uh, yeah I did not want to stop life. And he's like, but the fact that you look at it that way is so strange. You know, it's it's not normal that you just say, oh, cancer, okay, well, I'm just gonna stay in school and finish up and take a flight back and forth, which luckily I was fortunate enough, sure. my family Resources. could support sure. me to do that. Sure. But, um, you know, it was, it was eye-opening for me to know that I actually had something inside of me that would that had prepared me to go through that. And that was why I was on this search through doing this project to find out what were those things that I had inside of me so that I could use them moving forward so I could teach my son about them um, and, and teach others about it because that was important to me with our foundation work, with teaching kids how they do have these things within them. And a lot of times we suppress them. We don't even know they exist yeah. within us. Yeah, I love it. Hey, Tom, thanks for such a great question, bro. All right, guys, take care. All right, take See care. You. Let's sneak one uh, one more in. Let's sneak one more in. While Andy's dialing anything else we want to talk about because I want to give as much context. 
Okay. Well, one of the other uh, sort of ingredients with this stuff is forge your motivation statement, which I think is very important. It's sort of having your own mantra, I think. And um, whatever you're going through life and where you're going, you, you need that motivation, that constant reminder to, to keep pushing yourself. And it should be something very simple. Uh, I use three Ds, dedication, determination, and discipline. And I feel like that is ironclad and it can help you to sort of get you to where you're going because we all are on this sort of journey in life you know we know our destination we all have the same destination ultimately we're all gonna uh, die yeah we're all gonna yeah. die fuck <laughs> <laughs> I really want to figure this out what is, what is, I feel like if I figure it out then I'm the number one guy I think yeah, that's how I win well as long as you go and, uh, and, and it's what you do with that dash in the middle you know yeah, so it's, it's uh, and so God, I, think... I like that what you do with that dash <laughs> that's fresh that feels like something I would say <laughs> no I like that what, which, what are you gonna do with that dash in the middle so you have to stay motivated and you have to find You know something, drive. I apologize. I don't know why that just hit me so hard. Mm. Something I, didn't, I haven't shared with my audience or really even a lot of people, I think the team knows. My grandmother passed away uh, four or five uh, weeks ago and I've talked mm. about my grandma publicly here and there about like being a tough kind of character and like having empathy for my dad. But it still is what, you know, it's, and it's funny, the dash in the middle hit me so hard because mm. I spent at that funeral 98% of my time looking at all these different tombstones and just looking at dates yeah. and just like, and like looking at that dash in the middle. Yeah. You know? And that's key and that's it. And that's, that's, and that's the game. But that's where your happiness and your joy and everything lies. It's in that journey. And, and you know what I think also with life and now being 46, I, I started to see your perspectives of what your desires are and what you want changes. You know, it's mm -hmm. sort of. That's the best part. Yeah. And, that's what we did with Alice. Yeah. That's the best. Yeah, Honestly, yeah, yeah. you've heard me say this. I secretly hope I wake up one day and don't want to work ever again and just do some like fucking weird Yoda in a fucking mountain shit mm -hmm. that like this audience gets so big and that I'm just in like Peru in some like and don't you have to like figure it's like a game you have to figure out how to find me but if you find me I'll fucking break it down for you right 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 right, right. like I think about that shit like I Yoda. only want to go I only want to go if I'm like people are like you gonna retire I'm like that's the that's the being half pregnant yeah. I'm like I'm either doing this Right. To like I'm 97 and He's going, like, and you know, or I'm going fucking weird as shit, like weird, like my own little weird, like like weird. Like right. I'm telling you, it's gonna be on the record. If I decide not to work every day of my life until the day I die and try to win Super Bowls and buy the jet, all that, I'm gonna go weirder than almost. You know how like some people, like Howard Hughes and these people, become recluses. I'm gonna be the good version of that. I'm gonna go weird. But positive weird, not like grow out my like hair wait. and nails. I just can't like wait to weird. see the internet. More like <laughs> he said, not the hair and nails. Yeah, not the weird shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More like, that, more yeah, like I want to meet every kid come through, yeah. Yeah. but but I'm gonna challenge you to find me. Yeah, like on some Waldo shit. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait. Hello. Jimmy, Hello. Jimmy, it's Gary V. Who is this? This is Gary. <laughs> this is Gary Vaynerchuk. Are you kidding me? I am not kidding, Jimmy. Oh my God! Okay, hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing really well. You're on the yeah. show. Please say hello to Samson and Charlie. Hey, how's everybody doing? Hello. Doing What's well. your question? Uh, quick question. Yes. Yeah, so I've been in and out of jail my whole life, and I've been, you know, I started my new credit repair company. I've been on probation out here in Chicago, and I can't focus on my three daughters, my wife, and my business as well as I want to because of other things I've done in the past. What can I do? I, I've got a thought, but I don't, I've don't. i been talking too much because I've been excited to have you guys here. Why don't you guys take your at-bats? I've got a thought. Go ahead. 
And you say you can't focus or, on all He three? cannot focus because he's dwelling on what's hanging over his head in his past. And my opinion is he's he's so overworried of something that has he has no control over because it's chapter one, two, and three. And the reason chapter four, five, and six can't be successful is he keeps reading chapter one, two, and three mm. instead of writing chapter four, five, and six. Mm. I love it. Ooh, that was good. Yeah. yeah that was good. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. a clip. That was good. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> Bro, that's your answer. Yeah. That's your answer. Let me give you something crazy about society. So Gary, what you're saying is I need to stop reading and I need to start writing. I need to pick up the pen and put the book down. That's right. What, what, what I'm also telling you is, bro, it's not 1974 in America anymore. Right. Nobody gives a fuck that you've been to jail. Right. When, I, when I tell you this, I hope this is the line that fucking breaks open your life. You cannot believe what I'm about to say. Nobody gives a fuck. The <laughs> stigma, as a matter of fact, I like you more. Now you might, you know, mainly because you've been in and out of jail, so I'm making assumptions that it hasn't been the most extreme shit, you know, like, right. you know, right, and right, so right, right, yeah. it's just been dumb. You've been doing dumb shit, not like fucking all time. I hate you shit. So, right. like, I weirdly think that you're using the excuse of your past to not let yourself be successful, and that's why you're losing. Everybody comes up with some excuse. Building a business is hard, motherfucker. You understand? And so, it's not how I fucking love it. I just can't put the fucking time in. And I, I build that wall, that can't wall thing. I can't do this. I can't do that because I'm dwelling on the other commitments that I have to make to the state of Illinois. So you're right. It's an excuse. Yeah, dude. Of Listen, mm-hmm. you know you, that's it, bro. And, yeah. Jimmy, you know what's amazing about life, bro? You did that shit. That's why Illinois has a fucking vig on your head. Guess what? That's what you got to yeah. do. And, and, and it too oh, will pass. Yeah, yeah. You know, you gotta keep in mind, it will pass, but you do have to work, as Gary mentioned, towards your next chapters of life. And you have your family, you have your career. I mean, you have already achieved, so just embrace that aspect, the positive side of it. Don't let the negative or what has happened in the past, that has shaped you, believe it or not. It has shaped you to way. be where you are. I mean, I, I share a real quick personal story. I did, I was locked up and incarcerated as well as a juvenile. And, um, you know, and, and thankfully- That Newark life. That, yeah. <laughs> 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 and I just got the wink from Gary, so I know I'm doing good. <laughs> the wink is good. The wink is good. The wink is good. I love and, Newark, uh, And, you know, and, and, and uh, if I wasn't 17 and a half, my story would have been written differently. So that, that didn't stop me. Let's talk from, about that for 14 yeah, seconds. Yeah, I want to get quick, back quick. to him. Literally a half a year. A half a year, 17 and a half. And what would and have happened? And, oh, I would have been an adult. And... I would have had an adult charge. I would have had a uh, sort of, you know, a, a real true federal number or, 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 or number that would have prevented me from <laughs> becoming, yeah, thing. to becoming a doctor. Yeah. And this is all environmentally shaped how I grew yep. up and being surrounded by what I was surrounded by. But at the same time, instead of that, to your point, instead of that sort of, sending a message that I could not do it. It sent the message that I have to get on this crusade and make these next steps and write right. this you book. You know what? I might be sick of the crusade. See, Gary says a lot of things that really hits home to a lot of people. And one of them to me is being the, I'm always the story, the one they look at around town saying, wow, he came from nothing. He had absolutely nothing. His parents are dead. He's got this. How the fuck does he do it? But then after about eight months of just nonsense, Stop fucking work, I give up, right? I just mm-hmm. say, I get the fuck it. So I'm like, I'm gonna take two weeks off and two weeks is two months and then I'm fucking broke again. Mm-hmm. I, I think, I think w- something that I'm obsessed with, brother, is, and this would make so much sense to me, this is why I tell people to chase something they like versus chasing the money. 
one of the reasons you may be giving up is you might have the talent to make the money in eight months that a lot of people admire. The problem is you don't fucking love it. Mm-hmm. Right. I like to cook. That's cool. I, found, I found my passion. I'm 33 years old. I've been in sales my entire fucking life. I'm phenomenal in sales. I'll stand by everything I say. Yep. I fucking hate it. I like to cook. I like to see, you know, Nancy and Joe coming into the restaurant on their date night and seeing them happy with the fucking meal I provide them. I don't want to sell people shit no more. Everything I fucking do is a sale. I get that. So now let me give but you yeah. a really good piece of advice. If you just get patient, which is hard when you have Illinois' vig on your head, when you've got three kids that want shit, when you want shit, when your wife wants shit, when people are watching, with all the things in life. But brother, if you get slow and patient, how old are you? 33. You're so fucking young, this is so fun. (laughs) This is so fun for me. Bro, if you slow this the fuck down, you can cook and make tons of money for the rest of your life because you've got sales talent, which is a gift, and you can cook your fucking ass off for the next 75 years, all you have to do is not value money for the next 36 months and eat shit to build the foundation to make the cooking make the money. Yes, I don't give a fuck about money. Money never motivated me. I want to do my passion, but like you said, I got a 16-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 3-month-year-old. Being 33, it's a little difficult here with four girls in my house at all times. I got to take care of. I get it. So now you have to have different conversations with them. This is where you can bless them when you're like, hey fam, here's where we're going. We're gonna all collectively eat shit for three years. You don't like it? Tough shit. We're gonna eat eat shit collectively for three years. It's gonna shape you so you're not a loser and dad's always providing for you so you're gonna win. And dad's gonna get into a good place so we can do it forever. So let's all huddle up on three, say eat shit, and for the next, (laughs) and for the next, and for the and. And, and for the next three years, I'm gonna build bricks, which are maybe not gonna allow you to get the new Supremes, or maybe we can't go to the best hotel at Disney, or maybe you're not gonna get those fucking fly feel of dad shoes, but here's what's gonna happen. We're gonna fucking do it, and we're gonna win forever <laughs> instead of up and down, up and down. I built for what? myself, and I admire in others when they've created a framework that makes them play at, with happiness, in perpetuity, not up, down, up, down, and everybody's out here up, down, up, down in it. You're doing great until you're not. Right, I'm sick of it. Because you're up, downing it, bro. You're making some, you're creating a framework that's not sustainable. It's, it's creating profit to allow you to kind of achieve this overhead of four people and Illinois, but then you burn out. What you need to do is go the other way and eat shit for three years to foundationally build your restaurant, chain, franchisee, one-off high-end place, or cooking model, or cooking school, or there's a million things you can do, but you're gonna have to eat shit for three years financially, which is tough for the 16-year-old, tough for you and your wife, I get it, but it is the only answer for you to create something in perpetuity. Absolutely. You know what? My wife's going to kill me if I stay on the phone, but I feel blessed to be able to talk to you today, Gary, and everyone there with you. Thank you, bro. Hope you have a great day. All right. Have a good one. Bye-bye. Guys, parting thoughts, and then you get to ask the question of the day. Any question that you want answered from the audience. Mm. Parting thoughts? Ooh. No. <laughs> um, no, I mean, first of all, thank you so much for having us. Mm-hmm. We appreciate it. Um, I, You know, my parting thoughts would just be that our goal, I we talked a lot about giving back and, and doing um, things that make you happy, but I, I truly believe that 
by living your life to do things for others and to look at those that are coming behind you is something that is fulfilling and it's something a lot of people don't realize that they think that if they have a ton of money to give back that that's what's going you know you just give back and it has to do with money and you talked a lot about giving your time and i i do feel like that's a huge part of success i feel like it's um, something that's necessary in order to overcome things, um, is to find a way to make it about more than just yourself. And so that would be probably my parting thought. Sam? Yeah, I mean, I agree. uh, Thanks for having us. But I also feel that just the evolution of time and how we progress is the, 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 the goal now in life or the goal of life as it stands this moment is to really follow your purpose. Find your calling, what it stands for, and everything else will sort of come along. I think our generation growing up was always go after the career, yes. become this, yes. become that. Yeah. yeah. And and I think, you know, it's changed so it's much. Changed so much and, and technology has really helped with that as well. Just just the acceptance no, of no, it it's all. The yeah. of it's why. the frame, right. Mm-hmm. It's the framework of why. <laughs> and it all starts with why, right? Yeah. So I mean I think you have to find what that why is, not your what yep. and really pursue it. And you know, and that's really what I'm learning now at this stage of life. You know what I liked that you brought to the table here, and I'm curious if it's in the book, because I think it'll bring value, because I'm very macro. Mm -hmm. I thought you were pressing the whole way on this podcast tactics. Mm -hmm. Like, create your motto, create it, you Mm -hmm. know, right? I like to go super macro and then tell everybody, watch me. I'm giving you my tactics and my actions. Mm -hmm. Right. But you have to watch me differently. But I'm gonna talk macro. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought you did a really good job in multiple times going into, and then do this, and then right. do this. Right. And I think doing really matters. Back to that joke I made earlier about like you love practice. Right, and right. that's the structure of the book, is yeah. 11 core okay. elements. And, and that's what Good. we try to do, is walk people through how to do it, but don't tell them how to right. apply it to their own and, life. And, and I think the tactics is just bullet points. Yeah, you know, because you, you write, again, you, you tell your story, but we're often, you know, just like running a marathon, you get a cup of water along the yep. course, but you have to run the marathon yeah, yeah, yourself. Course, you have to put the work in. What's your question of the day? Ooh, you go, because that's a tough one. Um, this is a question for the audience? Yeah, yeah, because the, then they'll fill in in the comments section their Ooh. answers, which might be like a good research and development thing for yeah, you. Yeah, I, I, think, the, yeah I think the question oh, yeah. is, what is your fear? And how do you overcome your fear? How do you face your fear? So let, let's actually, I, I'm sorry to jump right in, mm-hmm. but we've done this once or twice. One of the most interesting things that I've done in my career as a public figure is this question. I genuinely believe that when people actually say their fear out loud to the world, that they've taken back the leverage. Mm-hmm. I really believe it. Mm-hmm. I really believe it. Mm-hmm. And it's super hard. Yeah. It's as hard as it gets. Yeah. You're gonna get a lot of fake answers. You're gonna get a lot of second thing that they fear, third thing they fear. Because the number one thing they fear is probably putting out somebody they love out. That's the truth. Yeah. That's the truth. And that's hard. Man, I really love that you said your support system doesn't have to be your family. Mm-hmm. I wish people knew how to come put into the proper like department their family because they could have such a healthier life with their family and be happier themselves. Right. Instead of them being miserable and hating their family, they can accept their family for their shortcomings and they can be happier. Right, and also too, they're not blaming. Because see, I think we look at other people's lives and we say, oh, well, they succeeded. My life doesn't look exactly like that, so I'm not going to succeed in it's the just, same it's way. A, it's, it's a lack not, of accountability. Yeah, right. Even your parents who had the biggest outcome, it's still you. Mm-hmm. You've heard this podcast or this video right now. Now it means it's on you. Yeah. Yep. Now yep. you heard it. Yeah. So it's on you. Right. And once you take that, it gets so good. Right. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thanks. you, Gar.
Thanks guys for listening. Please, please, please share the podcast and make sure you've subscribed because a bunch of you aren't subscribed and more importantly, a bunch of you listen every day and haven't told your friends it's the best podcast in the world. I'm watching. (laughs) Have a great day.